Well, praise the Lord, and welcome to Russ Podcast today. I'm your host, Kirk Space. Are you saved today? Do you have a born-again Christian experience? Do you consider yourself uh, a religious person? Are you questioning the Bible or even God's existence? If so, I want to have a conversation with you. You can reach out to me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Russ Podcast. Or you can just shoot me an email at rustpodcast at proton.me. That's rustpodcast at proton.me. So today, uh, we're back-to-back episodes here. I got Adam here with me, and we're going to go ahead and get into Adam's testimony. And he's going to talk a little bit about um, his background and his past and where he came in uh, to knowing the Lord and a little bit on how he worked in my life and and leading me to where i'm at so without any more delay let's get to adam adam how you doing today man good good to be here oh man we've been talking about doing this podcast for what like two years yeah i think two years awesome i've been saying i wanted to do this and it was just kind of uh a pipe dream at the time and then we went we both went on the radio with pastor mike and we shared our short versions of our testimony and then uh he invited me on in person the weekend you couldn't go and Man, the feedback I got from people are like, you need to just start your own show. And I, that was just confirmation for me. And <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. Yeah. So uh, Awesome. Everybody out there, uh, at, I met Adam uh, through work. Uh, if you heard from my testimony, um, I got a job at a linen company driving a truck. And Adam was the guy that our boss arranged to ride with me to show me one of the days in my route. And... Uh, I was the guy driving around for 10 years listening to an audio Bible. Yeah, and now I'm I'm the new guy because you moved on to another job, and, and now I'm, uh, you know, <clears throat> driving around listening to an audio Bible. And we're just, uh, we were out here driving along doing our thing, uh, studying the Word. Yeah, getting paid to uh, study the Word of God. There's nothing better. Yeah, there's literally um, nothing bad you could say about that. I mean, the amount of time we had in a truck, it was... Um, a lot of time to be able to study and listen to content and, you know, just learn that way. So um, this is going to be a show about your testimony and uh, your background and, and kind of where you started um, moving, where the Lord started moving you to, to get you to where you're at today. So you can uh, take us back as far as you want, start wherever you want, and just kind of lead it wherever you want. <clears throat> and um uh, Before we get started, we'll just open with a word of prayer. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy and this opportunity to sit here and um, share Adam's testimony to the world. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit be in this conversation, and we pray that you can lead and guide this recording to anybody anywhere in the world who might need to hear this, that it can move on their hearts. And, Lord, we pray that the people have ears to hear and a heart willing to accept the truth of your word. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, Adam, we'll take it away, and let's see where... Well, I'll take it back as far as um, as a young child, as a kid, 
I was always taken to church. It was a Lutheran church. And uh, if anyone out there is not sure what that is, it's kind of like Catholic light, basically. Uh, Just a lot of ritualistic, going through the motions, same thing in the same order, week after week after week. I almost feel like they intentionally tried to bore you. Are they the ones that have the red doors? No, that's Episcopalian. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that's uh, that's like the English, England's version of right, Catholic. So uh, <clears throat> went there almost every Sunday. You know, got all dressed up, had Sunday school, but the, they were more like part pizza parties every. Oh man, yeah, and um, just wild and carrying on. Even the teacher just treated the whole thing like a joke. So, but I always thought I was a Christian. You know, I'd never heard of saved or born again or anything like that, but I thought, well, you know, I believe in Jesus, that he was a real historical figure, and he performed miracles. He, I even believed he was the Son of God. Right. But uh, even the devil believes that, James would tell us. So, you know, <clears throat> uh, I never had a born-again experience. I never really experienced anything there. We just kind of went there. That's what we did. So you're just going through the motions, you know, just ba- as... Basically, yeah, and it's literally the same exact motions in the same order week after week after week. Very ritualistic. Yeah, right, and I, I you know, we see this a lot and hear it a lot with people in the, in the United States specifically today that uh, we have conversations with people that say, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, I go to church, but I only go on Christian, um, Christmas and Easter just, just in case. Yeah, that was my dad. Yeah, they think, he would come with us on yeah. Christmas and Easter. Now he grew up in Catholic school, and it just totally turned him off altogether. So yeah, they attribute their salvation upon their um, church attendance, right? Because that's how they're raised, and that's just been the snowballing effect through generations. Yep, attendance. That's that's uh, what it took in my mind, I guess. Um, but I remember in the catechism class that the pastor, he actually told me the truth, but I took it the wrong way. He said, you know, you don't have to necessarily go to church to be a Christian. I I took that as my excuse. Well, hey, guess what, Mom? I don't have to go anymore. Yeah, I'm just going to stop going. And 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 that's what I did. Wow. So then uh, you just, how old were you then when when you just decided that you were going to stop going? I think you're like, 13, 14, something around that age. Did your family continue to keep going then after, after Just you stopped? Just my mom and my younger brother. My dad really never went. I mean, they were, uh, what do they call them, Christian CEOs? Yeah, yeah. Christmas and Easter only? Yep. <laughs> so then uh, where's your life taken then? I mean, now you're not hearing any kind of gospel or well, any kind of... I would still go on Christmas and Easter, and I remember one... Easter specifically, the night before I had stayed up all night and ate a bunch of acid and uh, went to church, you know, didn't sleep the whole night, went to church that way, and and I did feel conviction that that day. Um, You know, you were a teenager then? Yeah, yeah, this was high school. Yeah, I got into pretty bad drugs pretty early in life. And so, you know, by the time I turned 21, I tell a lot of people that's when I quit drinking. 
But when yeah, I turn, you, when I turned twenty-one, you quit yeah. drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were long into it before that. Right? Now yeah, it's just, yeah. It is um, what it is. So you know, I went through high school kind of in a daze and uh, really strung out on drugs and uh, college the same way. And it's kind of funny. I forgot to mention this during the interview we had with Pastor Mike, but uh, college. I went to school for computer uh, graphic design, and everything that we were taught in college by the time I graduated was already obsolete. Irrelevant. Yeah. You just, you couldn't keep up. You need to constantly update. You got to constantly learn the new thing. You know, we learned Macromedia or Adobe Flash. That's not even a thing anymore. Dreamweaver. All these different programs and, and ways to code for websites, and then by the time you graduated, you just wasted $50,000. Yeah, and four years of your life. Right. And it, it, it was just constant change. And I was DJing as well at the time, and um, that was the other thing, is that you need to constantly update and get the latest song and the newest, you know, this, the newest equipment. And uh, by the time I graduated college, <clears throat> I remember just being so sick of everything changing and, and being unable to keep up. And uh, I had met this kid in school, and he was like a computer wizard and um, just loaded with money. His dad had died and left him several bank accounts. And so uh, I went out. He lived in northern Jersey, and we worked in the city, New York City, downtown Manhattan in Chinatown. And um, it was under-the-table work. But we were just making money hand over fist. He had so much money, we just kind of sat around thinking of uh, what we should buy next. What would be our next purchase? You know, basically when you can have anything. Wow. So this was a pretty substantial amount of money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, naturally we bought tons of booze and drugs and everything else with it. But, you know, on top of that, the newest computers, the newest DJ equipment, whatever we wanted, whatever we could think of. And I remember being out there and just being so disillusioned with college that, and he was also being into computers. We could download anything we wanted. So any kind of software, any kind of movie, anything. Torrents. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I remember just sitting there the one day and thinking, well, I can have anything. So I downloaded, for whatever reason, an audio Bible, the one that, you know, I still listen to driving around in the truck. It's amazing how the Lord, you know, yeah, just little put nudges. That, well, and I think part of the thinking behind it, and I, I had really, really started going in like a hippie lifestyle, like minimalistic, let's sell everything we have, you know, less is, you can have everything by having nothing, this kind of, you know, I don't know if it was like a trippy kind of thought that popped. Like a spiritualistic yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. Minimalism. <clears throat> right. And uh, I remember thinking, well, I'm so sick of everything changing, so what can I invest my time in to learn and study and focus on that's not going to change? And that's kind of potentially, I think, what led me to the Bible and the idea of, oh, well, I could have nothing and accept a Bible. Right. Now, that's minimalistic. Yeah. So I downloaded it, and and he gave me uh, his dad's old Bible, to kind of follow along with it while I listened. So I started in Matthew and started following along, and, and it didn't take long until I realized 
wow, this is uh, <clears throat> much more serious than what I'd ever been led to believe in the Lutheran Church or anywhere else concerning Christianity. And, and look at these words, they're red. That's coming right out of the mouth of God. Was this the first time you ever actually looked into a Bible yeah. and was reading it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And, um, you know, what a few verses, Matthew eleven twenty eight stuck out is that, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, I, I, that idea of contentment had never really um, crossed my mind before. Right. I thought, wow, really? It was enticing. Yeah. Yeah. Contentment. That sounds like a wonderful thing because I had never had that. Right. Especially, you know, being high for 15 odd years. Right. On a binge, not never coming down, just staying high. Wow. <clears throat> and uh, another verse that kind of stuck out is uh, it's a, one of the Beatitudes, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be feel, filled. And so I thought, I remember laying in bed after reading this and thinking, wow, you know, I'm going to have to go all in with this thing. If it's going to work, you know, I got to go all in. And uh, I made that decision. And the next morning, well, and and I remember just crying and the whole night just saying, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve this. And being so happy and thankful and this warm feeling just came over me. And the next morning I woke up and just like, I heard birds outside chirping, and I, the grass was greener, the sky was blue, and, like, everything changed. Like you're seeing the world for the first time. Yeah, and, yeah. but it was, like, a intense feeling, more intense than any of the drugs. Right. So, naturally, I wanted to tell my friend and, and uh, <clears throat> his girlfriend, and they thought I lost my mind because— you know, they couldn't, how could they understand that? I've heard it stated that trying to explain salvation to someone is, is like trying to explain what a sunset looks like to a blind man. Yeah, right. You can't. Right. So they just thought, wow, he just went off the deep end, like, in religion. So I thought, well, I know, I'll move back home. And I had this idea, I'm going to tell my parents and then my mom's going to buy a piano and we're going to play, sit around and sing gospel songs. And uh, so I headed home from New Jersey, went back and told them, and uh, they were not thrilled, to say the least. They thought I totally went nuts as well. Same response as your yeah, friend. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, but I had still been reading the Bible this whole time and remembered how, you know, Jesus said that a prophet is without honor, especially uh, in his own hometown and right. his own household. Yep. So <clears throat> I was out of job. I didn't have anything to do, nowhere to go. And there was a big mega church being built. And I thought, well, I'll uh, help with that, volunteer with that. You know, that seems like a good thing to do, a good work, so good to place speak. place to start. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I worked on that for almost two years until the thing was built. All the while, I had been, um, you know, driving back and forth to this church to volunteer to build and uh, listening on the radio to the Sun Life uh, radio network at the time. And it was a show, Francis and Friends, and they were addressing all these false doctrines and everything they were saying was exactly what I was reading in the Bible. But everything they were also addressing was also going on at this church, 
that I was helping to build come to find out it was a charismatic church. And I was drawn there because I did see people there speaking in tongues. But uh, there were it was almost like a hodgepodge, just like a mixture of every false doctrine you can imagine all, all poured into one. And so <clears throat> during that time, I ordered an expositor study Bible from the ministry. This is uh, Jimmy Swigert Ministries down in Baton Rouge. And I started reading that, which had notes, and, and it was a study Bible. And I gave one to the pastor, and he just, uh, you know, politely accepted it. And basically without saying, you know, maybe you'd be better off going somewhere else. So now here I was kind of... Uh, so he he felt convicted when you, you gave him that. Yeah, he knew what it was. Yeah, right. <clears throat> and he knew that that would not, you know, the simplicity of the message of the cross... For anyone that's familiar, that does not line up with the hodgepodge of everything else. It's one or the other has to go. Right. And so I was kind of out there on my own after this, just listening to the ministry on the radio. Well, for whatever reason, the radio station went off the air in our town and I remember thinking, well, you know, this is it. The devil won the day. It's all over. And uh, now I'm I'm awfully lonely as well. So I kind of uh, thought, well, if I just go back out in the world, you know, I won't experience this loneliness. I can uh, be popular again among people, get a girlfriend. And that's what I did. I got with a girl of the world, and we got an apartment. And um, walked away from the Lord altogether. And that's when things got really bad. You know, she was into uh, even harder drugs than what I had initially been into. And Jesus said that, you know, when an unclean spirit goes out of a place and it's swept and he goes and finds seven other demons more wicked than himself and, and the end of the state of that man is worse than the first. Right. And that's what happened. It was just a downward spiral from there. I mean, I went from doing the drugs to dealing the drugs and a lot harder drugs. And so then she ended up, uh, it didn't work out with her. So then I just bounced around from party to party, girl to girl for uh, about a year, year and a half. And that's where I really hit rock bottom, my lowest point. And um, didn't really know where else to go. You know, I uh, went to a lot of uh, hippie festivals, stuff like that, and uh, came pretty close to dying several times from just mixing drugs together. Uh, All, you know, I feel at this point it was all to kind of block out the Holy Spirit. Right. And the conviction and, and the pull to come back to the Lord. So, because yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't let up, right? Yeah. So you have to. I felt, you know, I have to stay high twenty four seven just to block out this convicting pool that I'm feeling. Right. If I'm not high. So, <clears throat> I remember it was New Year's about twenty thirteen, and I was sitting on the recliner and just kind of flipping through the channels and all of a sudden I heard that familiar voice 
and it was now the radio station they had and I heard them talking about getting a TV station and here they'd done it and I thought well well that's what they look like you know I wow. yeah I'm going to uh, start watching this and it, it didn't take long maybe not even a week until the Lord said yeah where was your faith mm-hmm. and I cried and just repented and came back and I struggled with the idea of restoration whether or not I could be forgiven and taken back and restored and the Lord gave me the story of Samson as a, a prime example of someone who who did just that and um, you know ever since that day uh, I really started digging into the study of the word all the programs. I haven't missed a program since the message of the cross and just reading through the expositor Bible over and over and, and got an audio Bible of the expositor Bible now too, Praise God. which is awesome. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, since then it's, it's just been better and greater and greater every day. Glory to God. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I feel like uh, most of there's a lot of testimonies I've heard. You know, over the past couple of years, of um, most most Christians end up walking away once or twice in their walk if they're um, <clears throat> if they don't have proper fellowship or proper teaching, right, or um, proper study, discipleship, yeah, right? mm-hmm. and then they end up uh, when when you decided that you were going to go back into the world, um, was it a conscious decision that you were going to completely forsake the Lord and just go right back to the way you were and look for a girl that was into the things you used to be in, or did you just kind of just... Yeah, no, it was conscious, and and I knew that's how I could get them. Right. And so it was, you know, whatever it takes, that's the direction I'm going, no matter what. Right. And, uh, you know, and at the time as well... I didn't have the revelation of the cross. That came after I was restored and and came back to the Lord. Right. And it really came uh, as I was reading the Expositor Bible, and I got to about Exodus, and I realized, man, he's just mentioning, like, the only way is to put your faith solidly and squarely in the finished work of Christ over and and over and over again. And I remember coming to the point saying, Am I am I going to accept this? Because that means that I'm throwing everything else out. <clears throat> and I just couldn't figure out how it could be wrong. I said, yeah, it has to. And, and at the same time I was reading that, I was watching Message of the Cross, and they were studying Romans 8, verse 2, and it, describing that this is actually a spiritual law. It's an invisible law. Right, yep almost like gravity or the law of matter, the law of aerodynamics, is that it can't be changed. You just need to learn how it works. Right, and God's hands are tied. Right, how the Holy Spirit works. You need to learn how to uh, basically tap into this power source so that it'll work for you, so that you don't go back into, you know, thank God the Lord was faithful and took me back even when I wasn't. And he always will. Right. We praise God for his patience and his long-suffering, because I know Amen. me, it took 33 years of him being patient till, um, you know, I, I even 
gave him the time of day. Amen. It's the grace of God that leads to repentance. Right, absolutely. The goodness of God. Now, as you're um, reading through this expositor study Bible, and you get to Exodus, and you start to realize that there's a very strong emphasis on the cross, and you, you realized and asked yourself, um, am I going to accept this because there's a lot of other things I got to throw out? Um, what are some of those other things that you thought you had to had I to thought, do or I need thought it to had do. to be more complicated than this. That there were some things you had to do, like maintain a prayer life or fasting or something. Not even necessarily that, just there has to be more than, it can't be this simple. Right, just believe. Right, but as I went on through the Expositor Bible, no, the cross is there on every single page. In right. Old Testament typology, in uh New Testament writings, it's everywhere. Yeah, once you get the revelation, you see it on every page of the Bible. Right. You know, you're looking at the the Word of God through the lens of the cross. Yeah, it's not just Paul and Paul's writing. Like, Jesus preached the cross in John chapter 6. Right. Uh, The Old Testament typology, I mean, where don't you see the cross? Right. I think there's only one example of the resurrection, and everything else is a type of... Of the finished work of Christ or what he would do. The entire sacrificial system, the tabernacle, everything. Right. Um, But, you know, once you have the revelation and you're walking in victory, there's a a peace that passes understanding. Right. Is that you don't feel that you're lonely or you're missing out anymore. I think that's what I, I felt before. Oh, I'm missing out on something, you know. And I was. I was missing out on how to live for God. Right. You know, that's a big piece that isn't covered today in the church anywhere. Um, it seems like, you know, your your walk stops at salvation, and now it's just about good Christian discipline and, you know, a prayer life, go to church. And, you know, there there isn't really any strong emphasis anymore on sanctification and, and walking in victory or how to even do that. Right, and I think that's why we're looking here and there and everywhere to fill that void. Right. Because we don't know the answer. Right, and, and it, you know, this isn't um, something that excludes somebody. This, this is for everybody. You know, everybody struggles with something at some point in their life. And, you know, Brother Swaggart talks about this all the time um, back in the day, how people would come to their pastor and say, I have a you know, such and such problem with pornography or alcohol or cigarettes or whatever the case is. And they were always told, well, you have to study more. You have to do this more. You know, it's more that nobody, nobody, and people are doing those things and they're not getting victory. And that was the state of the entire church up until, what was it, 1990, 91, when Brother Swagger got the revelation? 97, I 97, think. Yeah. right. <clears throat> yeah, so this this message, um, like people listening, you need to understand that this this isn't something new. This is the message that Paul preached and taught, and and the, this is very strongly covered in Romans six, seven, and eight. And he explains how the sin nature is the problem, um, the struggle of battling sin and trying to overcome it. Is, is Romans chapter 7, and then Romans 8 is the answer. And it's, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit by your proper faith placed in the finished work of the cross. Right, and and even, you know, John the Baptist preached the message of the cross. Right. When he said that he must decrease 
and Christ must increase. Increase, right. So a big part of understanding, I think, a lot of people miss in Luke 9.23 mm-hmm. is that uh, if anyone will come after Jesus, you must deny yourself and take up the cross daily. And the key word is daily. Daily. Yeah, it's a total surrender every yeah, day. Every day. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think most people that <clears throat> are exposed to the message, they hear the message, they want a one-time fix. A fix, right. That's going to have permanent lasting result, And it doesn't work that way. No. This is an everyday you have to refocus your faith off of yourself and get it back onto the fact that yourself is crucified with Christ. With Christ. That's the denial of self. I think that's probably, uh, there is so much opposition to this message today because of that. You know, people want a one-time fix. They're saved and they want to, you know, live a cushy, easy life and, and go on to glory. And it's not that simple. Right. You know. and, and I often wonder if it ties back to <clears throat> before I got saved, I somehow had my own John the Baptist experience, which was a precursor to Christ, i.e. precursor to salvation, with these thoughts of, you know, uh, the minimal uh, sell all your possessions type Denial of self, in a way. You actually went and sold all of your stuff. Yeah, I actually you? <laughs> did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I took that one literal. Yeah. Um, when I first got saved, right? Because it went along with what I was the direction I was already headed, right? But that is like the basis of the gospel, the death to self, right? And that's what people want to avoid most. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, they, they can make, hold make, on to their sin. Right. They want to make a smoke screen. Oh, it's this or that or the other. Why I don't want to listen to SBN or why I don't want to acquiesce to the message of the cross. Really, it's the preservation of self that they they don't want to right. give up. Yeah. Well, the flesh is, um, you know, like Paul said in Romans seven eighteen. I know in me that you know, dwells no good thing. Right. And uh, it's it's tough for people to let go. I mean, they had to surrender once enough to get saved to begin with, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, you know, the reality of this message is you, what got you saved is what keeps you saved. On a daily On basis. On a daily yeah, basis. that's the key uh, word. Um, <clears throat> you know, I wanted to also bring out, um, and maybe we could do an episode on it someday, on the divine nature that is implanted at salvation. Right. Where you no longer want your own will, but you're now consumed with the will of God. Right. And when the divine nature is implanted, I feel like you're not going to want the things of this world. You're not going to want the sin anymore. And that only comes with a born-again experience. Right. You know, John 3, 3, Jesus said... um, Lest a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Right. So you, in order to experience that, um, the divine nature coming in, it, you need to be born again. And then it's the Spirit of God coming in for, you know, to, to habitate inside you. Right. And which the, is totally different, you know, from the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But Right. The divine nature will uh, give you the want and the will, uh, like we talked about last episode, for righteousness and holiness right. and and to want to obey the Word of God. You're, yeah, you're going to want... And I remember um, 
after I got saved, um, Amanda was so taken back with how much I changed. And I was trying to explain to her, you know, what had happened. And I said, like, I didn't want to this, you know, like this change in my heart. I didn't, you know, know this was going to happen. It just, right. it did happen. It was implanted. The right. divine nature was implanted. Right. And I, I told, she said, um, you know, I don't want to sit around and watch church all day and just read the Bible like you. I said, well, you know, I can't help it. That's what I want to do now. Right. Like that's just embedded into our hearts right. when you accept the Lord and you become born again, you everything changes, and you want and you thirst for that. Adam, I can remember um, right after I got saved and you gave me thumb drive with all those audio Bibles and stuff, like I could not wait to wake up and go to work that the next morning so I could listen to the Word of God oh, yeah. for 10, 12 hours a day. Yeah. Like, I, you I, can't get enough. No, I could care less about, you know... People saying, "Oh, I, oh, it's okay. I gotta go to work tomorrow. Oh, it's another day." Like, I'm ready to go. Yeah, because I'm going to get with the Lord. Amen. You know, and it's just like you don't want anything else. That's right. Yeah, and still, you know, um, that goes back to the Lord telling uh, during the Beatitudes that those that hunger and rice, uh, thirst, thirst for righteousness, righteousness right. shall be filled. Mm-hmm. And so, and at the same token, when the divine nature is implanted, you don't want the other things. Right. Um, you know, now, naturally, <clears throat> the flesh, the sin nature, if you don't know how to throttle the thing, right, is going to hinder that divine nature. Absolutely. But you're still not going to be defending the sin nature. No, exactly. And that's, you know, this is why we have to, you know, why we question some things. Right. You know, because like you said, the Lord said that we'll know by their fruit, right? <clears throat> but it's not like um, when somebody gets sick, it's not different for everybody. So when you get born again and I get born again, you're not getting a throttled version of the divine nature as right. opposed to what I'm getting. You're getting the Holy Spirit coming in to live. I'm getting the Holy Spirit to come in and relive. Right. We're going to have the same thoughts, same desires, same wants. Right, because from it's the Lord. God's will. Right, it's That's God's will that, yeah. that we want now. You know, so when when you see people that are saying they're Christians and saying they're born again, and they're not showing any sign or fruit of the divine nature being present, you have to question it. Yeah, yeah. That's... You know, show me in Scripture where God says some people will get more divine nature than others. Mm-hmm. It's not there. Exactly. Now. You know, that's where the conversation can go into sanctification and how do we carry out the desires of the Lord and his will right. uh, that the desi- that the divine nature has implanted in us. And Romans 6, as we learned, is the way to do that by mm-hmm. placing your faith in the fact that you were crucified with Christ. Yep. Your will, your desire is swallowed up now in his because yours is no longer what you want. Right. The old is um you're dead and buried. <clears throat> right. And you're resurrected a new life mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. And yeah, that that is um that is the next step is, you know, the divine nature comes in and you you know, you're on that new believer cloud 9 for a couple weeks or a month and you, everything's amazing, right? And then you start seeing that there's still, you know, some character flaws that are popping out at you 
or some bondages or, or things that you know aren't shouldn't be there. And you know, I think this is where most believers uh, get off because they don't know the right answer on how to control those things. That and and I want to encourage uh, new converts and new believers that have just been born again to seek for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Right. Uh, a lot of people don't teach on it; just ignore it altogether. But that is like that should be your first step. Well, it's either um, not mentioned or it's um, mocked. Very, nowadays. yeah, it's very aggressively attacked. Yeah, you know, it's. Um, which is covered in Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus, you know, was talk- they attributed the power of the Holy Spirit to, you know, the devil. And that's the, um, the one sin that's unforgivable, is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So, you know, you people better be very careful when you're coming out talking about um, speaking in tongues and the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, attributing it to the power of evil. That's a very, very, very fine line that you can walk. Right. And so part of the... Now, when I walked away from the Lord, uh, I was not baptized with the Holy Spirit, but I still had the divine nature because it's implanted at salvation. So you knew there was something, like you were hungry? No, I wanted to. I, I actually, I was so frustrated that I could not, witness and get anyone saved. Right. Like everyone was just thinking I went crazy and nuts. Right. And so I remember saying uh, and asking the Lord when I came back, I tried to, uh, you know, witness and and win converts and get people saved my way. Now I'm going to dig in and learn and find out what is your way, what's the right way to do this and get it accomplished. And that's what ultimately led me to the baptism with the Holy Spirit, because that's power for service. Right. That's the boldness that we need that's lacking in non-spirit-filled believers. Mm-hmm. And along with that boldness comes the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Right. So he can move on what you say, what you uh, scriptures you might bring up to someone when you're sharing even your testimony with them to get them saved as well. Yeah, his uh, he moves. He starts moving a lot more in your life when, right. once you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. And you don't have to try. He does it. Right. I mean, he can just move on a simple word spoken to someone just like uh, with you in the truck. Right. You know? Uh, I remember, yeah, when um, I was witnessing to Megan on the phone and... The Holy Spirit took over. I, yeah. I pretty much blacked out. Yeah, you, and the Holy Spirit took over, and she, she, I led her in the sinner's prayer right there on the phone, and she got saved. Praise God. Amen. And you know, you, you know, it wasn't us. It wasn't right. me. Right. It was a hundred percent the Holy Spirit. You know, so people, yeah, everything's just clicking and connecting, and yeah. you're, just, you're just gone, and you know everything you're saying. It's almost like you're preaching to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, if if you plan like after you get saved, if you plan on living on this earth for one day, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit because the flesh is no match for the devil. Right, right. Like, or you know, uh, don't you want to take as many people with you as you can? Right, and you need the the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I just anyone out there listening, I want to encourage you to seek for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Uh, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Yeah, and you could you could reference that in Acts chapter two, you know, and uh, it's like I said, it, it is one of um, you know I, I feel kind of led for us to address these big hot button topics right now. Like speaking in tongues is 
mocked today and it's attacked. Um, the rapture is extremely attacked. Pre-tribulation rapture especially is attacked. Right. You know, there's a couple uh, specific doctrinal beliefs that are heavily, heavily attacked today. So let me talk a little bit about those. Well, I almost feel that the rejection of the baptism with the Holy Spirit is a trade-off with unconditional eternal security. Right. It's going to be one or the other, from what I've come across, is that the people that reject the baptism with the Holy Spirit are usually the strongest adherents of unconditional eternal security. And anybody listening, explain what what that what we're talking about when we say <clears throat> unconditional eternal security. Uh, that's the uh, once saved, always saved doctrine. Right. So, the pe- people who say that once you're saved, there's no matter what happens, no matter what you do, you're going to heaven. Yeah, you're good to go, basically. Right. And uh, so you can have your cake and eat it too. So why bother with uh, going on with Jesus, basically? Kind of like fire insurance. Yeah, they don't say that. Right. That that's what that doctrine leads to. Right. And um, you'll very rarely now the ones that are baptized with the Holy Spirit and they want to hang on to their unconditional eternal security. Uh, I believe that's how charismatics are created, right? Um, whereas I'd be, uh, I guess, referred to as a classical Pentecostal, which um, we believe in living holy and righteous before the Lord. Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit and being baptized with the Holy Spirit for uh, power for service to go and witness and win souls to the kingdom. Yeah, and we're, when when we would uh, label ourselves as being traditional Pentecostals, we're not referring to any kind of denomination tags or um, anything like that. Basically, uh, the easiest way we could put this is we believe that the church today should 100% replicate the book of Acts. Right, right. Without question. That's how the church should be. Exactly. And, um, you know, it's, it's the Holy Spirit and the blood. It's that simple. Right. It's, it's those two things. And, you know, so when you get uh, both of those, and you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and that that in itself is a testimony, and you know another testimony in in a believer's life that experience of the first time getting filled. Oh yeah, and it's like you've never experienced any. It's it's uh, it's way different than your salvation moment, but it's it's just as uh, powerful. Yeah, instead of uh, waking up in the morning and saying. Good Lord, it's morning, you're saying. Good morning, Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking in tongues. Yeah, it'll it'll set you on fire, that's for sure. Yeah, but um you're a hundred percent right though with with um the unconditional eternal security today. That is it's very prominent and it's very, very popular. And you know, I, I was speaking to somebody online uh not that long ago, and I was saying, like, in regards to Bible doctrine and these specific doctrines, like the salvation doctrine, the um, sanctification doctrine, uh, the baptism, uh, rapture, all this stuff, like, uh, even Bible translations, you could almost bet that the most attacked doctrines are probably the truest. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, yep. the devil is going to attack the truth the hardest. Right. Always. You know, I've only been saved almost four years now, and what I've noticed is the King James Bible is the most attacked translation. The rapture doctrine is the most attacked doctrine. A pre Now, when you get into the rapture believers, it's split in half. You either have rapture believers or rapture deniers. Within rapture believers, then you have three groups. You got pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation. Pre-tribulation is the most attacked. You know, baptism with the Holy Spirit is one of the most attacked doctrines. It's like the devil couldn't be more obvious with what he's going after, and people just ignore it. Right. You know? Yeah, that or he'll create a counterfeit. Exactly. Right. And uh, he wouldn't create a counterfeit of something that wasn't real. There'd be no need to do that. Right, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so in regards to, um, you know, looking back to um, my testimony and, and how you uh, had an impact in leading me to the Lord, why don't you walk us through a little bit of that, of what, how you kind of approached um, our job doing what we did when you knew somebody was coming to ride along with you in the truck. Yeah, I kind of looked at, you know, driving around listening to the Word of God all day, every day. Uh, you begin to look at your route as almost your field of evangelism. Right, yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually a lot of stops, I was able to uh, get some people saved and, and get them uh, on board with where they can be discipled as well. Right. And... Um, <clears throat> Uh, one of the things I didn't really touch on was that I part of what led to my initial salvation as well was uh, the kid I told you about that had all the money and everything and downloaded all these weird movies and whatnot. Some of the movies he downloaded were exposés on, you know, the Illuminati and Freemasonry and secret societies. Right. Occult stuff. Right. Yeah. So I was... Uh, you know, looking at, at the world with this new lens and, and disillusioned with the entire world. And Seeing learning. evil for what it is. Right. Like really. Presidents are involved, lawyers are involved, all the highest ranking people are involved. And, you know, that's what the Bible says is that mm -hmm. Satan offers all this to those that will bow down and worship him. Right. And uh, he certainly does. So I was well versed in that uh, for years and years coming up to the point of uh, riding along with you. And I don't remember how exactly we got onto the subject, but we started talking about it, and we both basically knew about these so supposed secrets and secret mm -hmm. societies. And, um, you know, I can remember that you were kind of holding out for someone to come along and save the day. Right, I was heavy into QAnon and Trump being the... You know, the end-all, be-all. Right. He was going to set us free. And, um, yeah, I do remember that, and I, I had no idea that about any of that stuff. And I remember saying, like, well, I I hope that— It sounds nice. Yeah, I, yeah. Hope, <laughs> I hope you're right, but uh, I wouldn't count on it because justice is, is rarely, if ever, carried out in this lifetime. Yeah, right. It will be. Yep. You know, that's what the great white throne— Judgment is for. Mm -hmm. So they're going to get their um, just reward, but probably not in this lifetime. So really when, when we started talking about that, you kind of saw 
a doorway, a possibility. Right. Like, yeah, don't put all your eggs in that basket because you're really going to be let down when it doesn't happen. Right. And the Holy Spirit had let you know that I was obviously looking for an answer. Right. You know, so my, my heart was already primed and ready because I was all in on the idea I was sold on already. Right. You know, so I was ready. And the Holy Spirit, as I said, you know, in my life, he orchestrated all these events to get the two of us in the truck together. Yeah, and it was that one time and never again. One time and never again. Yeah. Right. So it's very rarely that we have other drivers with us, you know, doing that job. You know, you're out by yourself every day. And the fact that he put that together the way he did. (laughs) Now, I don't remember, but had you known or ever heard about a pre tribulation rapture before that day? Well, I heard um, when I was a kid, my grandmother had the Left Behind series. Okay. Uh, the books, and I remember there was a movie, and I always remember the rapture was a thing, you know, that was uh, had to do with God, and that's all I really so knew you about weren't, it. You weren't really counting on that. No, I had no idea <laughs> that that was actually a reality. And I, you know, I it's funny you bring that up because I remember, literally, probably within the first day of getting saved, I literally said out loud to myself, "Oh, now I'm going to make the rapture." Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I absolutely said that awesome. out loud because I was like, like I knew now this this was the qualification to right. make the rapture. Like all the pieces of the, the puzzle yeah, started right. coming together. Right. Well, and because, you know, another, before I had actually went all in, you had given me all that content. You gave me a thumb drive with all that stuff. And you even gave me, you gave me... Um, the Expositor Bible, the Jimmy Swaggart oh, the nice tradition. One. Yeah. You gave me, and this is why, uh, this was a big influence on making my decision because you also gave me the book, The Rapture, that Brother Swaggart wrote. Right. And I was reading that book for the whole month. I was going through all that nonsense. Uh-huh. And I remember reading it like, this is real. Oh, yeah. Nuts. The Blessed Hope. Yeah. So you changed your, uh, from hopium. Yeah. Which I guess that QAnon is referred to as hopium. You know, but it's... To the blessed hope. Right, the blessed hope. And it didn't take long, because after I got saved, you know, it's not like everything just gets thrown out immediately when you get saved. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you to gotta work through your stuff and filter out the stuff that you did have and what's not real, what's legit. Right. And it didn't take long... To unlearn. To unlearn. And, and I, I didn't talk about this in any other recordings... Or on the on the radio with Chori, I want to say this to people: When I got saved, okay, there were two people in my life that had an influence in regards to the Bible. Adam was one of them, and there was another guy that I was friends with up in Scranton from my my past life up there. And he was um, he was a Christian, and he was you know in my ear this whole time telling me I need to give my heart to the Lord and so on and so forth. So. After I had made the decision to get saved, the next step was trying to find a church. You know, I'm thinking, all right, I need to find a church. Uh, Adam's telling me to follow SBN, read the Expositor's Bible. Um, There aren't any good churches really around uh, that are preaching solid, sound doctrine. And I looked. Right. And the other guy, you had mentioned there was one church, it was an Assemblies of God, that a girl we worked with actually got baptized with the Holy Spirit in. And you said, maybe this might be one to worth, be worth for us to check out. So I told my other friend from Scranton, 
I said, I have a guy at work that's telling me there's uh, an Assemblies of God in Danville that we might go check out. And he said, no, you don't want to go there. And I said, why? He said, well, they're Pentecostal. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, they, they're going to use Acts chapter 2 to pry and, try and prove their point that speaking in tongues is biblical, and it's the most furthest thing from being biblical um, that there can be. He said, it is, it is absolutely 100% demon spirits. And I still have the text message in my phone. I could show it to you wow, right now. so right away the devil comes. Right away the devil comes, right. And I'm thinking like, oh, all right, well, I got two birds in my ear now telling me to go one way and the others go on the other, Right. So I'm still following SBN, still talking to you. You're giving me the truth. SBN's giving me the truth. But at the time, I have a conscience on each side telling me to go this way and another one telling me to go that way. Well, it was a couple weeks later, um, I was talking to this other friend about some sin. And what SBN teaches and what you were teaching me was the complete opposite of what this guy told me. And I forget what the specific sin was. But what he told me was, he said, now that you're saved, you can ignore sin. He said, ignore it. Because Satan is the accuser, and your sin has been covered, and you don't need to worry about it anymore. If you sin, just ignore it and go on with your life. And there was something that clicked inside of me and said, that's not right. No. That doesn't seem right. You know, the Holy Spirit was screaming, Ayo, I'm giving you the right answer here. Right. And uh, ultimately, I made the right choice. And, you know, I kind of, I tried to start waking that guy up to the truth about the QAnon stuff because he was still all in on QAnon and the, you know, the election stuff and all this and all that. And we just slowly but surely just stopped talking. And I haven't talked to him in years now. So I don't even know where his faith's at today, but... Yeah, that, I remember that was a big thing that was going on in my life then was you and that other guy were telling me conflicting doctrines. And this is this is what I'm trying to tell people. Like, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to the truth, and you're going to know. So yeah, it's on you the, to make the right decision. He uh, will convict the world of sin. He's, a, he's the convictor of sin. That's one of his titles. Right. Yeah, so, it was, it it was so like strong. The kid was into the Grace Revolution. Grace Revolution. Yeah. yeah, I think he had mentioned Joseph Prince once or twice. And he he did tell me uh, to check out Chuck Missler, that Chuck Missler was good. And he's one of those Serpent Seed Doctrine preachers, mm-hmm. Chuck Missler. You know, he's no good, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, we did a whiteboard and wrote out every single denomination and where right. it falls kind of on the scale. Mm-hmm. And then we did a study as well on Bible translations. Yep. Did you do any of these kind of deep dives before? Oh, yeah. All, yeah. With anybody else, or was it no, just kind of by yourself? Anyone. It was all. Um, so you were kind of like much a kid through... in a candy store when I got saved and right. we were on the same page already because yeah. of yep. conspiracy theory. A lot of it was through um, Francis and Friends programs, books right. the ministry puts out, evangelist articles. Just, I mean, I've just read everything they ever put out. Right. And some and and somehow the Holy Spirit brings it to remembrance where I read it. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you know, he did lead us in that direction to we I mean, we really went hard on false doctrine. Yeah. Covering every denomination. Yeah, we did a whiteboard on all yeah. the false doctrines and and which applies to which do- denomination. And, really. ha- and how every one of them deals with the sin nature. 
mm-hmm. whether it be uh, license, denial, grace, right, and whatever. The, I forget what the fourth one was. But yeah, ignorance. Yeah, ignorance. I was right. Ignore it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. To the people listening, and I after I got it might have been before I got. No, I think it was after. I went and bought a nine foot whiteboard for my dining room wall, and we got a bunch of uh, markers, and the Lord had led me right into Bible translations, studying Bible translations, church history, and false doctrine right from the start, and you know. Discernment is a gift of the Spirit, you know, and and if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and follow the nudges that he gives you, you know, he's doing it for your benefit. Right. You don't want to ignore these things. Or if there's something that's been, you know, on your heart for a long time, do it. Because that's how I was with starting this podcast, you know, and I put it off and I finally said, you know, it's time. And... How many confirmations has there been since I started this? Right. You know, it's unbelievable. So with that being said, Adam, oh, man, your testimony, it's a great, great, um, it's a great moving of how the Lord will move in anybody's life. And it's ongoing. It's ongoing. It doesn't stop. It's daily. It's daily. And Amen. Every every day there's a new story, you know. There's always a testimony when, and I I tell you and Jared all the time, like being a Christian is very exciting. Yeah, it is. There's never a dull moment, and the Lord has always got His finger on something and moving and jiving. Amen. So to, we want to give everybody out there listening um, the opportunity to you know pray with us, and um, if this testimony or this conversation moved on your heart and you want to repent, or if you want to come back to the Lord, or if you're a first-timer and you just want to give your heart to the Lord tonight, we're going we're gonna to lead you in prayer tonight. And it's not the words that save you. It's if you believe what you're saying in your heart. If you believe this and you cry out, he will save you in, right. in your seat where you're at That's right. without question. You keep your faith in what he did for you, and you deny your own power, your own strength, your own will, Surrender it all to Jesus, and he will come into your heart and save you. And you will have a testimony the same way Adam and I do about what happened in your life. And you can come on the show and talk about it, and we'll tell the world, and then somebody else will get saved. So we're going to pray now, and I'm going to lead you guys in the sinner's prayer, and Adam's going to pray after me. And believe it in your heart, with your whole heart. Dear God in heaven. Dear God in heaven. I come to you today as a lost sinner. I come to you today as a lost sinner. I'm asking you that you save my soul and cleanse me from all sin. I'm asking you that you'd save my soul and cleanse me from all sin. I realize in my heart my need of salvation. I realize in my heart my need of salvation. Which can only come through Jesus Christ. Which can only come through Jesus Christ. I'm accepting Christ into my heart. I'm accepting Christ into my heart. And what he did on the cross in order to purchase my redemption. And what he did on the cross in order to purchase my redemption. In obedience to your word. In obedience to your word. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in my heart that God's raised him from the dead. And believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. You've said in your word which cannot lie. You've said in your word which cannot lie. 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I have called upon your name exactly as you have said. I have called upon your name exactly as you have said. And I believe that right now I am saved. And I believe that right now I am saved. Hallelujah. Amen and Thank amen. You, Jesus. And if you just prayed that with us, reach out to me on Instagram at Russ Podcast or shoot me an email. Uh, Russ Podcast at Proton.me, and tell me how the Lord moved on you. And until next time, take care and God bless, and we will see you next time.